Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another installment in our series of Conversations with the Candidates. My guest today is Donald E. Scoggins. He is running in the primary, the Republican primary, for mayor of Baltimore. Mr. Scoggins is 78 years old. He lives in Madison Park, one of the neighborhoods in central Baltimore. He received academic and trade diplomas from St. Emma Military Academy. He also holds a bachelor's degree in architecture from Hampton Institute and University. He has a master's degree in urban and regional planning from the University of Pittsburgh. He has not held public office before he is married with two adult sons, and he just last week became a grandfather. Donald Scoggins, welcome to the Mm, show. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And you are one of three Republicans running in the Republican primary for mayor of Baltimore. It's a steep climb for Republicans in this town. The Mm -hmm. last time uh, a Republican was elected mayor was Theodore McKeldin back in 1967. Uh, Um, 63 was when he ran. He he left left office in 67. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you approach that particular challenge, the, the registration ratio in Baltimore is something like nine to one Democrat mm-hmm. to Republican when it comes to party affiliation. How do you how do you meet that challenge? Well, what I'm going to do is what I've been doing all along, and that is try to meet as many people as I can and explain to them what my position is on the issues. My brand of politics is probably very unique to most people because I've been around had a lot of experience in doing things, and at this point, I'm more policy-oriented than party-oriented. If it was up to me, in Baltimore and other places, it would be elected officials would run as nonpartisan if I had something to do with it. Why are you running as a Republican? I mean, is there uh, are there you know mm-hmm. values of the Republican Party, particularly mm-hmm. today's mm-hmm. Republican Party, mm-hmm. you know, that resonate more uh, you know soundly with you than than Democrats? Right. I'll tell you this: I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, during the closing days of Jim Crow, and my dad was an electrical contractor. He was very active in the black business community. They called it the Black Wall Street. Sure. In those days. Uh, black business people, by and large, tended to be Republican. And they were Republican mainly for the economic thrust of it all. Because, as you probably know, being a segregated situation, you had to be very careful with your, eco- with your finances because you didn't have the options of going out to the, running to the bank to get money. And it was always tight. And uh, and I remember my dad used to always say he had he had uh, challenges with his business trying to get uh, funds and things like that. And he always told me, get yourself in a position where you don't have to depend on other people for your money. That's always been very good advice. And, to and be I've sure. always thought about that. Even in my business, I was a real estate broker for twenty five plus years, and I was a landlord. There were many times when the tenants didn't pay me rent for whatever reason. And I can't tell that to my lenders that I don't have the money because the tenants didn't pay me for whatever reason, you know. So I've never, I've always thought about that. And that was the thing that really attracted me to the GOP because, um, uh, like I said, black business people in Tulsa tended to be, uh, back in the day, they tended to be Republican. And as I've gotten older, uh, before the party became what it is today, 
they were pretty much economic oriented. Uh, they were very much fiscal responsibility. They were very much into um, uh, management oriented, making sure that the trains ran on time and, and things like that. And and I'll say another thing too. Most people that I've run into as an adult, they t- and they were Republican. They tend to be financially comfortable, and I wanted to be financially comfortable. So I've always thought and said that if you want to, if you if you want to achieve certain things, the thing to do is to somewhat emulate people who who are where you would like to be. And that's what I've done. I've, I've over the years, even though it's been difficult, but over the years I've tried to be very careful with my finances. And if I was not comfortable with my finances, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing today. So, of course, today's Republican Party uh, is a very different thing than it was when you were growing up and even, you know, uh, as recently as, you know, the Bush presidencies uh, in in recent, you know, somewhat recent memory. Um, People affiliate the Republican Party now with Donald Trump Mm -hmm. and with uh, the the MAGA wing of the party. I mean, he's the, you know, hands down uh, leader for the nomination despite his legal uh, entanglements, et cetera, et cetera. Um, How do you explain to folks uh, in a majority Democratic mm-hmm. city, that they should consider voting you, uh, voting for you as mayor, given that that affiliation with what is now the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. How I answer that is the fact that is there a Republican Party in Baltimore? The Republican Party in Baltimore is basically uh, extinct, so to speak. So I don't have a party in Baltimore to deal with. I'm a very independent person. I've always been independent, even before this uh, current iteration of the GOP. I've always been outspoken in terms of wanting the party to be more inclusive. And to, to be more inclusive, I wanted them to adopt a more economic message to the black and minority community because Many uh, Republicans, even before uh, <laughs> before it became what it is today, they used to, they were in a quandary as to how they could attract minorities. And I say the best way to attract minorities is to adopt an economic agenda. And that's what I've been doing in Baltimore. If I was, when I become mayor of Baltimore, we are not going to have after after some after a few years, we're not going to have a over twenty percent poverty rate. And your uh background, uh, as I understand it, is is as a housing professional. Right. Project management mm-hmm. uh, and working in the housing industry. You mentioned uh, mm-hmm. your real estate mm-hmm. uh, involvement and the fact that you served as a landlord. Mm-hmm. Let's take housing as mm-hmm. an example, as an issue um, that you would be uh, in charge of uh, addressing the, the housing needs, not only homelessness, but mm-hmm. affordability of housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your approach to, uh, to those particular okay. challenges if you're elected. Okay. What got me into wanting to run for mayor in the first place is the housing situation in Baltimore. I've, I'm just astounded by the fact that some of these vacant and boarded up houses have been this way for over 50 years. And I uh, was working with my fraternity, which is headquartered here in Baltimore, and we wanted to see what we can do to maybe get involved with... Um, uh, trying to do some renovation, acquire some properties, fix them up, resell them as affordable housing. In doing that, since I was somewhat the um, kind of the lead, so to speak, on it, 
I started poking around and checking with the local government and found out that the local government is so dysfunctional, it's hard to get anything done, you know. And uh, and that that's the thing that really... So in really what way? What did me. you find? Well, I found out that, number one, the... Uh, I would just tell you this. Their housing strategy in terms of the areas that really need to be uh, revitalized, they don't have a housing strategy. They put, they get these houses, I guess, through tax sales or however they get them. They put them up for auction, and it's a helter-skelter type way of doing it. You know, whatever comes up, they I guess after a while they package them and then they put them out for bid. That's not the way to do uh, redevelopment. What is the way? The way to do it is to have a plan whereby maybe in certain sections you do it in a surgical way, whereby, uh, let's say, five or six blocks, we have X amount of houses that are vacant. You do an inventory and see which is which ones are, ap- are appropriate to be re- revitalized and put back on the market and which ones are not. And those that are not, they should be, they should be uh, flagged for demolition and provide more open space. And I found that there are some houses that are nice, very nice condition, but they may be one or two within a center, within a block. And so you have, it's, it's almost like you have a block, several blocks of houses, and maybe several of them are, are in good shape. So what I would do is work with the homeowners and either acquire, if that house, if those houses are, I would say, I wouldn't call it a roadblock, but if they are, are in the way of developing a neighborhood in a better way. I would work with those homeowners and maybe inquiring, acquiring those houses and helping them to find a home elsewhere in the city or give them an opportunity to uh, purchase a house if it's one of the ones that are uh, fixed up or maybe rebuilt. I would do that. But it has to be done in a programmatic type way. You just can't just say have all these houses sitting around and nothing and do nothing with them. Are you familiar with the plan uh, put forth by BUILD, which yeah, is I've the heard, organiz- yeah, heard organization, yeah. Baltimoreans yeah. United mm-hmm. in Leadership Development? It's, been endorsed, yeah. it's mm-hmm. been endorsed by uh, the current uh, incumbent, yeah. uh, Democrat mm-hmm. Brandon Scott. Uh, what's your opinion of, of that approach? Because they not, talk about a block-by-block yeah, approach. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you use the operative word is talk. There's been plans before to do certain things, and they don't go anyplace. Quite frankly, I think the I think the idea is great, but the approach may be a little bit too aggressive. And I think uh, I was reading somewhere talking about getting a billion dollars to to do something. I mean, <laughs> where are they going to get the billion dollars from? I mean, how how what's the process of managing a billion dollars? You see what I mean? I mean, I just don't see how they are going to be able to get. And it's almost like electioneer conversion. Uh, what is it? Uh, when when election year comes around, there's all sorts of things are proposed. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, you know managing those mm-hmm. kinds of programs mm-hmm. like housing, yeah. like developing affordable mm-hmm. housing, either from vacants or from you know new housing, et cetera, um, the fact that you haven't had government experience, mm-hmm. the the fact that you've been in the private sector, you, there are a lot of people who say the private sector is the perfect training ground for mm-hmm. running a city government. Um, how do you how do you approach management? How do you let me, approach let me say this. running you, you, a government okay. agency? Let me say agencies. let me say this. You didn't quite read up on my background. When I first got into housing, I worked as a urban planner in the district government, 
did that for six years. In Washington. In Washington, D.C., as an urban planner. Then, wanting to be an entrepreneur or being in real estate, I left that after six years and had my own real estate business for about 25 years. Buying houses, fixing them up, helping first-time home buyers become my main um, interest or thrust was helping first-time home buyers and small investors buy four-unit buildings, duplexes, and things like that. Did that for 25 years. I was a small landlord also. Then I went back into the government. I worked at HUD for a year, and then I worked in GSA as a uh, as a realty specialist. So I have worked in government. Uh, you know, I have worked in government, and I worked in government to such an extent that I know I don't like working in government because government is just too, to me, many times, I'm not saying every all of them, but predominantly with the kind of things I like to do, being an urban planner and being a housing person, I like to see things get built. I like to see things move. I'm not into uh, analysis, paralysis, you know, 50 some years of coming back and then you see this type of thing. So I have worked in government and that's one reason why I'm doing this because I think that Baltimore's government needs to be totally reformed. So let's talk about that because, mm-hmm. um, again, your your uh, employment in government has not been as an elected official. Yeah, so the, you know, right. you're, the mm-hmm. the folks you were reporting to are different than the sure. voters. Um, housing is something that you, you mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you've concentrated on. You're an mm-hmm. architect and urban planner, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for all these years. But to be the mayor of a city, uh, a city that you know, it's mm-hmm. a substantial major American city here in Baltimore. I mean, running the government. It's mm-hmm. interesting to say you don't like being in government, but you would be mm-hmm. the face of the right. government if you were elected mayor. Right. I didn't say I didn't like working in government. I didn't. Well, let me just put that another way. Government work is not my preference. Put it like that. And I would run the government or would organize the government in such a manner that people who do like working in government will continue to want to work in government. I've talked to many people who work in government, and they find it just as frustrating as I did, you know? So So when you talk about reforming the government, what does that mean? Reforming means doing analysis, and it's not going to take 50 years, but it's going to be analysis of looking at what's needed and what's not needed. Anything that's not needed, that would be uh, evaluated in a short order and done away with. I'm not going to have apartments on top of apartments. When Whenever one apartment doesn't get things done, then they create another office. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to look and be very strategic about what needs to be done and what we can do without. Do you have a, going into the job, mm-hmm. if you're elected, right. do you have a uh, a notion of, of uh, what, I, I guess what you're talking about is uh, waste and fraud, getting rid of uh, waste yeah. and fraud. And mm-hmm. we hear a lot about that from, from right. candidates at this time of year. Um, do you have a notion of, of where the waste is happening? I have an idea, and I'm not going to, I can't say it right now, but I have an idea where it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. I and mean, I've been in government, you know, I have 17, almost 20 years of working in government. So that's, I mean, that's government experience. And I've worked in, in it long enough to know where to look for the waste, fraud, and abuse. And uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to things like uh, education, yeah. for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having not been in the education sector, uh, I mean, what what is your your view of the the Baltimore City school system? Uh, what's mm-hmm. your opinion of uh, the current CEO of the Baltimore City Schools? Uh, that that person is not appointed by the mayor, but uh, the mayor certainly has some 
uh, influence and in, in who holds that position. Uh, what's your What's your take on the current Baltimore City school system? Well, let me say this: you asked me about not having uh, been involved in education. So, I mean, the way the government works, you can't be involved. You can't, as they say, be an expert on every every facet of the government. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you should have some common sense and know that if things are not working, that you you um, use your um, imagination and exercise some backbone to do what's necessary to be done. The current superintendent, to me, is not doing what's necessary for the city, for the uh, students in Baltimore. I think the students in Baltimore need to be more hands-on related. When I, t- I talk to people, you know, I, I love to talk to people and I ask questions. I'm very curious. I'm very inquisitive. And a lot of the students are not uh, doing well in school because they're just not interested in what's being taught them. And and in a way, I can agree with it because a lot of the young people today, they're not, uh, they're more into doing what's necessary so they can start making some money. And I think that we need to be more trade-oriented, more hands-on on it, more skills-oriented. I mean, these a lot of these young people, they're not going to, they don't have the the uh, motivation or the inclination to be in school for 12 years and then and then when they finish go to school for four more years and then you know I mean it's just I mean we just had to be realistic about it the demographics of Baltimore is such that the young people they're very bright but they need to be engaged in a way in which they feel that they have something to look forward to and many of them do not. So you would uh Change you you would recommend sure. changing the the school superintendent? I wouldn't recommend. Well, yeah, recommend it if I can't. I mean, <laughs> you said that I, you know, but yeah, I would uh, strongly recommend getting a new uh, school superintendent because from what I see, the who whoever's in that position, I would like for them to have somewhat of a uh, entrepreneurial, uh, innovative type mindset. Do you, have have you met with the current uh, school no, I, superintendent? I haven't met with her, but I've reviewed enough to know that I don't think that she she's uh, mm-hmm. adequate for the job. How about uh, when it comes to uh, crime prevention mm-hmm. and public safety? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of the current commissioner, uh, Rich Worley? Well, he's just, I don't think he's had the job quite a year yet. No, not he at all. He hasn't had it quite a year, even though he's been on the police force for quite yeah, a while. Been yeah, with the with the department for a long for a while, time. Yeah. yeah. What I would what I would do is just like I would do with anyone that I that's kind of like new, I would give them a chance and see what they're what they're doing. I wouldn't just come in and say, "Well, just get somebody new right away." I would evaluate them and I would talk to them if they share some of my vision of what I think we should be dealing with. That's good. I'm very big on on community policing. I think the policemen and these uh, the the officers need to get out of the cars and start walking the beat. Get to learn the community, and uh, and, and, and of course that's something that, that Commissioner Worley is also uh, yeah, he's strongly advocating, ad, ad, yeah, advocating yeah, for. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. um, the mayor does get to appoint the police sure, commissioner. Sure. I mean, so you do have uh, mm-hmm. great uh, influence in that realm. Um, when it comes to the current mayor, Brandon Scott's. Uh, approach to public safety. Uh, he has a group violence reduction strategy that's being implemented by the Mayor's Office of Neighborhood Safety 
and engagement. Uh, what's your opinion of the efficacy of that effort? Is that an effort that if you were elected, you would continue? I would look at if it's if it's working, I would continue it. But if it's not working, I would not. I would look at what's your impression way. of it so far? Well, so far, I mean, according to I can just go only go by what I read in the newspaper, which is which the media here has. a Well, <laughs> the, the local media uh, needs some reform also. But anyway, I would say from what I read and it said that the uh, that the violent crime is down and even though they have the uh, carjacking and things like that, I just go by what I read. But once I become mayor, I will be able to find out more exactly if that's the case. And if it's not the case, I'm not going to dilly-dally around. I would uh, make, take some measures to do it. But I, I will tell you this. I'm in favor of beefing up the police department. I don't think we need all these different entities that are dealing with... Uh, dealing with crime entities like entities like what? what are the safe streets and then they have this, this one you just mentioned this uh well i i haven't mentioned any I yeah mean, you uh, did mention uh, that you talking Rich, about the, his you talking about the mayor's the, the group uh, violence the group reduction violence strategy. strategy that's not a group yeah, yeah. that is that is a well, an overall approach yeah, but it's to an it. Off, it includes uh yeah. organizations like safe streets which does violent mm-hmm. violence inter mm-hmm. uh, interventions uh, well they have other non- groups yeah as they well. have not other groups they have nonprofits you know so many they have safe streets and they have other nonprofits that are somewhat doing you know so you you think there's no, there there should not be a role for that kind of uh involvement in no in i didn't say violence. that i didn't say it shouldn't be a role i said that if it's working we shouldn't uh do away with it but if it's not working and i can only go by what i read in the newspaper that what's happening uh when it comes to to violence reduction yeah. as you mentioned mm-hmm. there's you know there, there were fewer murders in mm-hmm. 20 in 2023 than there were in 2022 by mm-hmm. a factor of 62 people as a matter mm-hmm. of fact mm-hmm. um so it, it is it is down so what what <coughs> metrics would you use to determine whether or not it's su- successful i would use the method as to i think i think that's a good um way of doing it look and see how the numbers have changed from previous from previous years. If the numbers are coming down, then evidently something is working. Yeah, well, the numbers are coming yeah, down. Yeah, well, they're yeah. coming down, so something is working, I guess, and I would look into that. But mm-hmm. but I'll I tell you another thing. You didn't ask me this question, but I would say when it comes to crime reduction, I would also be more aggressive in terms of having the uh, parents involved. In what way? Well, in, especially at an early age with these young people. I wouldn't wait until the the uh, folks or the youth get into the criminal justice system and then you have this Im- big uh, law enforcement infrastructure that deals with the youth. I would wait. I would address them at an early age, even if you had to have courses and uh, have some type of uh, mandates to uh, especially if if people are getting uh, social services, I would have some kind of mandate in terms of par- parenting uh, parenting classes and things, and so that you can uh, they know what you expect, and it's not like you wait until they get uh, arrested and to do some of these things. Because when it comes to to uh, job opportunities mm-hmm. and youth employment. Uh, I mean, what what is the key to that? You mentioned more uh, training, you know, mm-hmm. career training and non-college bound mm-hmm. uh, training for those students who, you know, don't uh, who, who aren't uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, the, the right candidates for a four year college education. Uh, are there things outside of the 
the school system mm-hmm. that the city of Baltimore should be doing or would be doing if you were running the city uh, in terms of creating, uh, you know, a workforce for the 21st century that uh, employers are going to be able to use. Right. Well, they talk, you know, we have the chips um, and then you have silicon. There are various things that are on the horizon that other locales are doing to try to uh, motivate or have young people get into that doesn't require a four-year degree. I would I would be very much looking into that. Another thing I would do is look at the local government, and I'm in favor of looking at the agencies and see where we can involve young people, maybe 16 and up, to be have internships with the, with the government while they're while they're in school. You know, instead of just going to school every day, they can have an internship and they get paid with some of the various government agencies that we have here. Mm-hmm. Because there is a youth works program yeah. now mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's currently in place. Right. Uh, it's not just in the summer. Sometimes it's also oh, extended year, throughout yeah. the year. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be. I would year. look at that more heavily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and uh, one of the big challenges that the city faces is a declining population. Oh, right. You know, we have mm-hmm. fewer than six hundred thousand people for the first time in you know, 50, 60 years, I mean, a long time, uh, maybe even longer. Um, uh, how would you address that issue? Uh, because it's obviously related to, you know, the tax base, et cetera. Sure. The more people we have uh, gainfully employed living in the city, you know, the more revenue the city's going to have to provide services. Well, that all ties into what I talked about earlier when it comes to the housing. A lot of the, many of the people leave, in addition to the fact there's a crime problem, Many people leave because there's there's a housing problem too. There are there are houses that are vacant, but nobody wants to go and rent a house that's vacant and needs a lot of work. So I would go back to what I said earlier. We would do is take a surgical approach and look at these neighborhoods where they may have uh, a group of homes that can be fixed up and renovated. And I'd also provide, and I can't go into it in detail here, but I would be very aggressive about providing home ownership opportunities to, for some of these properties so that people will not have to go out into the county all the time and, and rent an apartment. Because some of the mortgages that these homes would have, folks who move out in the county, they're paying that in rent. So I would make sure that uh, we have a way in which we can keep people in Baltimore so, uh, and and explain how that might work as a function of city government. I mean, there are federal housing programs, there are state housing programs. Governor Moore has talked about a housing shortage across the state. You know, right, tens right. of thousands of of homes short. Um, how would how would the city of Baltimore uh, be used uh, and resources in the city be used to encourage home ownership? Okay. Well, certain things will have to be created. If they're not here now, they'll have to be created. There are ways that you can do it. There, you can do a um, a way in which you have uh, shared equity. There, I mean, there are certain types of ownership ways you can do rent to own. That's a way you can do a rent to own type of thing, and you can also have something where about people who are financially able but may not have the down payment. We can come up with ways to help them with get them a down payment assistance. We can do certain things like that. And I would also, uh, one of the things I would like to look into is creating a land bank where some of these properties will be put into a single entity and we would dispose of them 
in a uh, organized type way and the funds that we would generate can help finance the program that I'm talking about. And those who are been residents for a while, we, are, we are have a way in which we can uh, encourage long-time residents to be the purchasers of these, of these properties. Uh, but what you, what you're asking me is something I really would like to do, and I would I could almost take one program to just go into the, the housing side of right. I know here. that is certainly something yeah. that's you know big in your background. Right. Um, let me ask you about taxes. Taxes. There's yeah. a group called Renew Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, which will sponsor a ballot referendum mm-hmm. in November to cut property taxes in the city of Baltimore in half. Uh, by a predictable schedule over the next Mm -hmm. several years. Um, uh, They are in the process of collecting signatures uh, to get that proposal on the ballot. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion of that effort? Well, I'm very much in favor of cutting the taxes, but I would have to review what they're doing and make sure that they don't, you don't uh, overdo it because Baltimore, (laughs) you know, you still have to finance finance the operation of the city. So if the property taxes are cut so low that you can't uh, run the city because the city is already in a deficit type of a situation, I would probably go along with some element of that, but it needs to be looked at a little better to make sure that we don't over overcut what's necessary. Um, there's also a proposal that's uh, been uh, proposed by David Smith, who is the uh, CEO of Sinclair Broadcasting Group. He's a person who's just purchased the Baltimore Sun. Um, and he is uh, working with an organization uh, that he calls Peace, yeah. working to get a ballot initiative that would reduce the size of the Baltimore City Council from 14 members to eight members. What's your opinion of I'm that in fa- I'm in favor of that because Baltimore is not a almost a million population city anymore. So the structure of it, that goes along to what I said earlier about reducing the size of government where it's appropriate. I think they can, they can uh, that should be, I don't know about reducing it to eight. Right now I think it's uh, 14, I believe it is. 14, that's 14, correct. And that doesn't include the president of the city council. So technically, you have 15 people on the city council. So I would I would look at reducing it, and I'll have to see if eight is where it should be. I would probably not go down to eight. Maybe, maybe um, I, I would say around ten-ish, ten-ish probably, mm-hmm. because Baltimore is a sprawling city. Even though the population has uh, has very much decreased. The land area hasn't decreased, and I would would want the council people to have a uh, equitable amount of land area that they have to be in charge of. So that would have to be looked at again. But I, but the general the general tenor of of uh, that proposal or that initiative, I would agree with. Donald mm-hmm. Scoggins is a Republican running for mayor of Baltimore City. He's one of three candidates in the Republican primary, the date of the primary, May 14th. Mr. Scoggins, thank you for coming by. Mm-hmm. I uh, appreciate your taking the time to speak with us. Thank you very much.